0: For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here and joining me today is Catherine Lavery. Catherine is an entrepreneur and creator and the co-founder and CEO of Best Self Company. Uh, they've took this company from zero to eight uh, eight figures in less than two years and sold over a million planners and journals. It's a, it's just a unbelievably fast-growing company uh, built around planners and journals. So um, that's what I want to uh, talk about today is just how they've sold so many planners and journals, how, they've, how, how she used it to grow the business, like uh, just kind of the mechanics behind that. I, there's a lot of good stuff here. Catherine, excited to have you here.
1: Great to be here.
0: So first off, why planners and journals and and i obviously best self has evolved to be way more than that now but why why, uh, those things and and maybe even more specifically how did you create the first one
1: so i mean we all pretty much create the first product that we want to exist so that was kind of me so i tried like every single planner out there i like bought kickstarter projects all that and it was always like first of all that you would come dated so you like get them in January or like, then you're walking around with a, a third of a, you know, buy, buy one in March. And then you're like, well, I just have all this wasted space. So that was actually what I was like, why don't I just buy an undated one that I can start anytime. And pretty much, I just tried a bunch, didn't really like any of them. And then I created one for myself because I have a design background. I'm like, oh, I can do this. And then I'm like, okay, let's print them. And it's really expensive to print one-off planners. Like you're talking you know, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. And, and it would be like crappy material. Cause that's, you get like scale uh, economies of scale when you do a lot of them and you can get really good quality. So then I kind of was like, okay, maybe I'll kickstart this. And so that's kind of where the uh, idea for the product came from. Um, I wanted it for myself, Kickstarter. I'd done a few of them before. And I was thinking, well, if I can get enough people to buy it, I'm basically like crowdsourcing this product to be cheaper for me. And then what happened is I didn't Really, I, I've started other businesses before this one. I never expected to turn into anything. I was just like, I want this product to exist. And turns out a lot of other people did as well.
0: So you talked about, I want to talk about the Kickstarter in just a second. You talked about your design background. What is that background and how did that help, in, in your eyes, create a better uh, a better product?
1: Yeah, so uh, I used to be an architect. So when you do architecture, you learn like graphic design. And also as my thesis project, I designed a book like it was a school publication where you're like designing a book, you're selling sponsorship, you're actually creating it. And so essentially I learned all of these skills that I could later use for what became best self. I just didn't know it at the time. So it's one of those projects you're like, this was incredibly useful. I like learned about the different binding for books and like how you make it lay flat and how you offset print and all of this stuff. So that's kind of, you know, where I got that skill set, and I just applied it to uh, this product.
0: I see. Now, uh, so you, you create this product and I I think if I'm remembering correctly, you launched it via a Kickstarter campaign.
1: Yeah. So I didn't have the money to, you know, print these things. And I've done Kickstarters in a previous business as far as like, you're just essentially pre-selling a product before it exists. And that's what I try to tell people. It's like, you're not giving up equity in your company. You're not really giving out anything. You're just saying, hey, here's a product. Do you want it? You just have to pay for it now and and I'll ship it to you when it's ready. So it's a great way to like validate that people are going to give you money for your product uh, before it exists. And then it's also a great way to both improve your product and get like a tribe of people around it. So one of the things um, we did was like we gave away the PDF of the planner for free. So you didn't have to buy it. It was like, hey, um, if you want to use it, try it out. And so what we did from that is like a ton of people had that law of reciprocity of like, oh, they give this away for free. Like they must believe in it and they would use it. And then some of them would be like, oh, I wish this was done this way. And, and we actually tweaked the product throughout the Kickstarter. So it wasn't actually the CM at the end, but it was better. And then another thing was like, just giving it away for free was a great way to collect leads of people that were interested in the product. And then a lot of, sometimes people were like, you know, I can't afford it right now, but they would use the free one. And then whenever they would like hit their goal with it, they're like, "Oh, I'll actually go and buy it now." So it was actually a really good tool for us to both make the product better, you know, give it away for free, and have that sort of abundance mindset, and then, you know, use it as a tool for leads for the crowdfunding campaign.
0: Yeah, that's that's super smart. Any tips or things you learned from running a, a successful Kickstarter campaign, and how like how did how did you guys do so well with that first campaign?
1: So one thing uh, is just growing email list before you start. So a lot of people were like, oh, I'll just launch on Kickstarter. And, you know, people will find me there, like build it and they will come. Well, they actually won't. You have to send people to Kickstarter uh, to your project. And Kickstarter will send people, like a lot of people shop on Kickstarter. I used to be one of those people. I call it like secret Santa to yourself because you will go on there, you buy stuff, you forget all about it. And then two years down the road, something will arrive in the mail. And you're just like oh this is exactly what i wanted i just completely forgot about it um so that's kickstarter is like that and so what happens is if you collect an email list of people of people that are interested in your product and you send them to it kickstarter will be like oh this is an interesting product and they will their algorithm will send more people to you and one thing that i tell people is that the algorithm it doesn't um it, it likes the number of backers that you send not the amount that they back. So for example, maybe you want to support me, but you don't actually want the thing that I'm selling. You should still uh, back me at a $1 level, because if you get a thousand people backing you at a $1 level, Kickstarter is like, you just got me a thousand people that are now on my platform, thanks to you. And they will start sending more people to you. So if one, if one project sends, you know, 25 people and they spend a thousand each and another project's you know sends 200 people and, and they spend a dollar each they'll still prefer the $200 or 200 person list because that's more people that will often come back and, and support other campaigns. So focus on growing your email list, sending the people to your campaign and then kickstarter once they see in the first 24 to 48, 48 hours that your campaign's doing well, you want to they will start sending more people to you. And another thing is make sure that your your goal is relevant to what it is that you're selling, and what I mean by that is, so we're selling a journal, and our, you know, public goal was fifteen thousand, because we're like that's the minimum amount that we need to be able to sell a thousand of these, because that's the the minimum uh, that the manufacturer gave us, right? And so that our goal is fifteen thousand makes total sense, and we funded in like twenty eight hours, so we got that in twenty eight hours, and then what happens then is. Nobody's like, oh, will I take a chance on this? They're like, oh, this is funded. So they already have confidence in you. I ran into this guy and he was like, Oh, I I launched Kickstarter and it didn't do very well. It like failed. And I was like, Oh, like what was it? And and he said, Oh, it was a book. And I was like, Oh, okay, like how much did you ask for? And he's like, Oh, a hundred thousand. And this guy didn't have an email list or like anyone to send to. It was just like, oh, it's a book, it's a hundred thousand. And I'm like, Those two things, unless you already have an audience, don't align. You can raise 100,000 and actually coach someone um, who launched a kid's book and her goal was 40,000, she hit 640,000. So you can do it, but you don't ask for it. So if we had asked for 322,000, which is what we got with a self journal, if we'd asked for that, there's no way we would've got anywhere near that. So you have to like think of like what your product is and then what seems like a a good goal and can actually have you deliver it. You can want 200,000, but don't ask for it, right? And so if you have a 3D printer, if you're trying to make 3D printer, 100,000 makes total sense. If you're doing some technological thing, uh, like align what your goal is to what the product is. You don't need, you know, 120,000 to launch a book project.
0: That's great. And super, super helpful. Uh, I want to back up just a little bit for those who don't know, because I've seen seen this uh, on your site. And this is common lingo that's tossed around. What's the difference between a journal and a planner?
1: So, the self journal is a three month based goal structure. So you plan, you set a goal, you break it down, and then you achieve it in, in three months. And then a planner um, is more of a organize like organizing your time. But it's not like oh, if I come in, oh, if I don't have a goal, like I already feel like I failed, sort of thing. And so we realized that not everyone is coming in having you know, read the same books or, or like wanting to do all of this high level stuff, but they do want to do some of it. And so what's the, you know, 80% that they can do without feeling like so overwhelmed. And so that's how we define it. So the self journal is a three month based structure. And then the planner is a um, six month based structure light.
0: I see. Got it. And is that, is that just your guys's definition? Is that the more common definition of journal versus planner?
1: That's just our definition.
0: Got it. Okay. And and so let's, let's shift gears a little bit to marketing. I mean, you've, you've sold, I think you said right at, or a little over a million of these, these journals and planners, how have you done it? I mean, what's, what's been kind of the biggest drivers of sales for those.
1: So I think at the beginning, like one of the things is we were the first three month based guided journal as in like, okay here's how you set a goal and break it down and, and get there. So for us coming into the space, it was like very different than what, what was out there at the time. It was very much like um, annual planners and things like that. And so I think at the beginning, it was very much like, oh, this is different. And this is sort of teaching strategies that um, high achievers use that you can implement yourself. And so it was just a different uh, user and different experience than they were, that was out there before. And then I think as time has gone on, you know, a lot of people have journals now, especially three-month ones. And so we went from, you know, you need four of these a year. So that's automatically more than most uh, journal or planners. So now we're getting people to buy in bulk and also focusing on, okay, we wouldn't really have been successful had we only sold it once because we need people to come back and buy. And so it was really like getting people on this three-month structure of, setting a goal, breaking it down and hitting it. So that's like creating content around that. That's like showing them what success looks like. And I think a lot of companies, they focus on, okay, we have to sell these people once and, you know, you acquire that customer and, you know, we use like Facebook and things like that to acquire customers. But I think creating a retention or consumption (laughs) marketing of, okay, how do we get people to actually use the products that could buy it again? And so one of the things that we did was um, we we had started a Facebook group and we kind of did it because it seemed like the cool thing to do when we first started. And then it turned into this huge asset of people that were in there like talking about their goals. Cause like Chandler, you and I are, we would probably like go for a drink and be like, what's the goal you're working on? But not everyone does that. So that's not like a normal thing people do. And So I think the Facebook community allowed them to connect on things that they were doing and share strategies that were working. And then I was like, okay, how do we create sort of a rebate system for that? And so we did this thing for a while called the the graduate challenge, which is, you know you don't have to post it publicly, but you can. So you have to share a picture of your filled in journal every day. Either in our group or on your social media. And if you do it every day for 30 days, we'll give you like a $10 Amazon gift card. So all we're doing is, hey, remember that product you bought? Why don't you just use it and like take a picture? And, and, you know, some people would like score off, you know, on the picture. So they didn't want private stuff to be shown. But in general, it was like, oh yeah, all I have to do is use this. And so what actually happened was, we had all of this user generated content that was in our group. And like people were super engaged. They were, you know, making friends and getting accountability partners in this group. And so that was a big thing of how we were able to grow sales is because we weren't just selling a product. We're like selling this community and we're also teaching them how to use the product so that they have to rebuy. And how do they rebuy as they they're successful with the product. So I think, you know, making a product, look good and feel good and something that people want to use is a huge part, then the next part is making sure that they know what success with the product looks like. So what do you want people to do after they get your product? Like in the first 10 minutes. And then I think another big piece of successful products in general is like, what, what are you adding to someone's identity? Right? So for us, like I designed the box. So on the side of it, you like wrote your goal in there. And so you can publicly, have it on your wall or on your bookshelf or whatever as like a public declaration of your goal. And what that is, is actually like someone's identity is tied to I'm a person that sits down, that plans their day, that achieves their goals. And that all ties together with the product.
0: That's super, super smart. So you've got the subscription. um, You've got the subscription piece um, that, that keeps people kind of coming back. You've got Uh, creating a product that people actually use (laughs) novel concept. Uh, You've got, you've got the, uh, the kind of the graduate and rebate program and and a bunch of other things that I'm sure we'll get into. I'm curious on the graduate rebate program, what, what percentage of people um, actually do that? Like actually go through that and, and, you know, complete the 30 days and, and and send out. Not a ton. Like,
1: Not a, not a measurable, I mean, people will use it. Will they use it for all 30 days? No, but it's almost like they don't really care by the point where they get into a habit of using it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing. It's like, it's not big enough for someone to, it's it's big enough to push someone to do it. But then by the time they do it, the actual prize isn't the $10 Amazon gift card. It's the planning your day and, and getting the things that you think done. So
0: yeah. And very, very, very smart because then not only are you, I love that concept where you're, the overlap of how do you create something that drives adoption, but also drives referrals. And like you said, user-generated content that, that and, and then in the process, because you have that Facebook community kind of as the hub, you're building community around that yeah. and, and kind of, like you said, attaching the identity to actually using it- the product.
1: And like people would share it all the time. And it's also, I created the product in a way that people want to share it on their social. Like they want to, you know, cause again, it's part of this identity piece of like, what is, you know, your book or your product or whatever? What is that? The person that's going to read that, what is it saying about them? And so the whole purpose of how we designed it was like, oh, this is an experience to open and, and it's something you want to share. But also you're not sharing it just cause like I got this cool thing. You're also sharing it like, oh, by the way, guys, in case you didn't know, I'm a goal setter. Um, so that was a big piece and there was one other part I was oh yeah so we spent like we had professional photographers spent thousands of dollars getting these like professional pictures taken of the journal things like that the user-generated content way outperformed the the professional pictures because when people are scrolling through Facebook most people normal people <laughs> are there to see their friends, to see you know what people are up to, whatever, who's had a baby, whatever else. And so when you see this user generated content coming up, it's like, it's like a, a crappy picture on your phone, or like, it's like not <laughs> yeah. well lit. And yeah. the thing about that is, it's like it gets people curious. Like, they're like curious, and then they, that's why it, it does much better on on uh, for ads.
0: Mm, I see. So you're actually using those those pictures and user generated content. Um, for ads. Yeah. Got it. And those, and you're seeing those convert better.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Got it. Now you talked about, <laughs> you kind of glossed over this and I feel like there's probably some, some magic that's specific to you and specific to self. You talked about creating a product that people actually want to share and that's, that's shareable in itself. How do you do that? What are some practical things that, that authors or, um, people creating something like this that, that that they can do or how do you guys do it
1: i mean i think the first thing is you know if you're completely new with this is start documenting products that you like to use so you know for example with the the journal it's like going down to like what pa- what does the paper feel like uh what does like what find other things in the same arena that you like to use and like why do you want why do you like it um like Apple products, you know, I wanted to create the experience that Apple has with like their unboxing, because it makes you feel differently than, um, you know, like Adele, right? And so there's a reason that there's like three parts to what I call like product experience. The first is like the visceral piece. So that's like Apple, when you go on their website, or you open something, it's like very clean. Um, it feels good, everything about it, there's like nothing that's unthought of, you know, like every single tiny little feature that they, they will make into a feature that other companies might just gloss over. Right. So a focus on how something looks, feels the texture. That's like the first piece. The next piece is like the behavioral piece. So that's the part where you, you get a product. What do you do in the first 10 minutes that you get that product? And so understanding like a user of, okay, you know, what do they do, what do they want, what success looks like with the product and making sure that they know what that looks like so that they don't buy something and they're like, oh God. You know, one of the things with the journal, for example, is we got this all the time was, oh, it's too nice, I don't want to write in it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't work if you don't use it sort of thing. And then, you know, creating like almost a campaign behind a bunch of user-generated content of people with like really messy writing and just showing that to people is in like, hey, I know you that you think this is just too nice to write in, but he, uh, look at all these people that hit their goals and they write really ugly and that's okay because nobody has to see it but you. Uh, and then the last piece is, so so there's the visceral, the behavioral, and then the reflective. So like, what does your product say about them? So if you can attach it to like a story that they tell themselves, um, then you also can win that way because they want to share that. So um, it's like Chandler, when someone signs up for self-publishing school, they probably get something in the mail. And then they'd be like, I'm an author, now," And so you're tying that to their identity as being an author. And so that is the third piece of the puzzle is like, how do you tie your product to something that makes them feel better?
0: And would you call the third piece? Because you said the, the three- Refle- Like a ref-
1: the reflective.
0: Uh, so it's what I does see. it
1: reflect them? Like you- your product on them.
0: Mm, So that gets back to the identity piece that you mentioned earlier. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right. So if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right. So go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. How do you do that? How do you how do you build identity into the product or, or build to where people attach that their identity to the product or, or that it, ref, it it is reflective of them and who they are?
1: how do you do that so it depends on the product i'm thinking i'm I'm thinking for our products it's probably pretty self-explanatory but i think understanding who your customer is and what it is that they want is pretty important but i know it's difficult for every single type of product but if you can do it i'm not saying that if you can't do it with your product you're going to lose i'm saying if there's some way that you can do it either with the product or the story behind the product, maybe it's mm. how it was created that the person can know about and feel closer to. Maybe it's um, maybe the product doesn't do anything, but like they um, donate profits to, to an organization that you connect connect to. So there's a lot of different ways that you can mm. c- connect the reflective piece without it being like tied. like you could sell, you know, um, like a, a plunger for the toilet. How do you connect that in a way that's reflective yeah. that someone would want? But maybe there's a way of like, oh, um, we do this from our company or this is how it started or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And because you said the way you do it is self-explanatory. How would how would you explain that with, with how you build identity and the best self products?
1: So we think of, okay, what, what success look like with this product or what is a product that you would want Someone that comes over to your house to see, or they're you know, you're not going to be ashamed of them seeing it, or you want actually, if it's on the coffee table, it like starts a story. So, for example, you know, one of our products is the intimacy deck, which is for couples to help with their relationship, but it's more of like a fun way to do it. So, this being on your coffee table might be like, Oh, I'm the person that invests in my relationship, or I take it seriously Mm -hmm. and I'm intentional with it. So, that's a way that you can think of like, how does someone that sees your product on their coffee table describe it to their friend?
0: Got it, that makes sense. And I feel like even in the, the name of the company, it's identity, right? Best self. It's I'm the type of person who invests in becoming my best self. And even just with yeah. the logo on any product, best self product that I own, I am signaling to the world <laughs> um, that I am, yeah. I'm, I'm the type of person that wants to become a best self.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to call it company best self and not self journal, because I was like, there's so much more that mm. is possible here. And there's so much to your being your best self than just like hitting your goals. It's like, if you hit all your goals in business, but you have terrible relationships or none at all, then are you your best self? Probably not. So there's just a that's kind of why I, I wanted the company to be called that because it allowed for much more, but it also, yeah, it the identity pieces in there.
0: Yeah, that's super smart. What are the what are the biggest customer acquisition channels for for the journals planner specifically? It sounds like Facebook ads. Obviously, in the early days, it was the Kickstarter campaign. Are there other major channels that that drive a significant amount of sales?
1: I think Facebook, Instagram um, are the big things. Uh, we Pinterest does okay, but like Facebook and Instagram are you know way ahead of it everything and then you know google search terms for specific things around like journaling or planning your day or things like that
0: do you guys do you you guys do a lot of sales on amazon is it mostly direct on your site
1: we used to be about like 80 20 to our site now it's about 60 40 because we have put more time into and energy into amazon it used to be like yeah we'll ship some product there but we're not going to focus on it and then we realized actually like a lot of people shop on amazon including me uh the customer's already there why not put some energy in there so now we're about like 60 40 still majority on our site but the thing about it is you don't own the customer through amazon so if there's a way that you know when you get our product there's things within it that sends you to our site so hopefully we can get them back there
0: Got it. I see. Cause how do you navigate that? I mean, I know people have very different stances They're like our right, Amazon takes a huge cut. So I'm going to charge more on Amazon or I'm going to try to get, you know, I want people to be on my side, obviously, cause it's more profitable. I own the customer. Like how do you guys kind of look at that on selling on your own site versus selling on Amazon?
1: So we used to charge a little more on our, on Amazon than we did it on site. Now we just have a flat, um, same price both places. But if we do a sale, so example, like if we did like a Black Friday thing, we're not doing that on Amazon. We're only doing it on our site. And then you know we have resources within the products that we link to, hoping that you know if they they go there, they'll join our email us or something like that. I think, you know, owning the customer obviously much more preferred. But at the same time a lot of there's just so much traffic going to Amazon. Um it just makes sense to not just you know tr- be trying to get them all to come to our site. Got it. And also yeah. they do take a big cut, but they there's customers there and they also deal with all of the shipping and things like that. So shipping your own product from your own warehouse <laughs> is really expensive and annoying. And actually, yeah. we're actually moving to a new warehouse right now that will give us the same speed as Amazon, which is gonna be a huge thing for us because hmm. people are so used to free two-day shipping that when you can't do that, which is just extortionate for like small businesses, Um, it's just really hard to compete with Amazon. So it just doesn't make sense. Uh, So now that we're kind of moving to somewhere like that, we'll be able to do more like that.
0: And is that, I'm guessing you're having to pay more for that or you got to a scale where it makes sense or what sparked the switch to the the different warehouse that now has two day?
1: So we, it's like both a scale thing, not really being happy with our current and this a new sort of platform that has relationships with a bunch of, Uh, warehouses the reason uh, reason why amazon can do today is because they have warehouses all over the place and so this system also has amazon or warehouse all over the place but they take care of the between warehouse solutions which most do not so a lot of times you'll go to a logistics provider and they'll be like oh we have 12 warehouses and you're like great At at the start you're like oh that sounds awesome and then you realize oh i'm gonna have to manage inventory in 12 places that sounds like a nightmare and it is and so We have two warehouses right now, and now we're going to move to a bigger, um, this bigger service, but they take care of the other warehouses. We just send it to one depot and (laughs) they will figure it out from there.
0: Oh, wow. That's really, really nice. And... what a lot of people maybe don't think of or realize is that as soon as Amazon bought Whole Foods, they suddenly have a lot more warehouses um, because they can store things in all th- th- these Whole Foods locations. So, I mean, that's like getting warehouse. Yeah. I mean, not for a lot of products, but especially for grocery related items. What I've got a few kind of final questions. Which, um, which planners and journals sell the best and why do you think that is? I noticed you, you guys have you know, theme planners and journals, but also theme products. Um, what, mm-hmm. are the, what are the top sellers and why?
1: So the top sellers, the self-journal, because that's where we started. Self-journal and self-planner, we only have two styles of planner journals. And then our our discovery decks, which is like the intimacy journal that I mentioned that is like going nuts. And, and that is because turns out a lot of people are in relationships and that's a much easier, like thing that they can, you know, we just had Valentine's Day. It's like very, a lot of more people have relationships that they want to work on than goals or a structure for their goals or things like that. And so we started with a product called the Wordsmith, which is like journaling prompts, because what we realized is like people want to journal, but then they open a blank page and they're like, oh, you know, what now? It's like scary. And actually that's kind of where you know, ideas for products came from, we came out with like a blank journal, which is called the scribe. And we came out with these discovery decks, which the first one was journaling prompts, because we're trying to sell the scribe. And people were like, "Oh, I don't know what to journal about. So we created this product. and, And what happened there was we realized, oh, wait, there's a ton of other ideas that we can create from this that are not journal related. So it kind of spun off a whole other series of products. So now we actually have Two, two types of customer, one customer that's never seen a journal or used one and they, they came for the decks. And then there's the people that are like the diehard, you know, journal planner people that we started with. And so that creates another sort of opportunity is how do you market to two different customers um, that are coming in from different different things. And, and actually these type of products are also things that people share on social media a lot.
0: That's interesting. So you've got these two different avatars, do they overlap that much or is it, is it truly like either they're buying one thing or the other?
1: There's a little overlap, but it's surprisingly very, we did a study last year and we realized how different they were. Like when we came up with the decks, we had a whole other customer base, which is exciting, but it's just like, oh wait, we have to come up with another sort of um, story for them because if they're buying a product and the, and the follow-up sequence is about a journal, they're like, what are you talking about? I bought a, a deck, you know, a deck of prompt cards. So just different, you know, things that come up in business.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. How do, you, how do you navigate that moving forward? I mean, because from an outsider's perspective, I would look at that and I'd say, oh, super smart. You've got this, um, you know, journal or planner. And I mean, one of my questions I was going to ask um, is, is like, how do you profitably acquire customers on, on a low priced product at a high volume? Uh, and so my assumption is from an outsider's perspective would be, oh, really smart. Now we've got these bundles, we've got the, the, these kind of card decks. And like, so now we will increase the average order value, which means we can pay more to our customer. The lifetime value goes up, like all the economics of the business. But if they're buying two separate, if those well, are two different avatars, two different products, how, how does that work?
1: The avatar that buys the decks are only coming in to buy the decks. The people that started with the journal, they will buy all the other things too.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So, so it's more of like the new customers that come in Mm. for the decks. It's like bringing them into the ecosystem of like, if you came in to work on your relationship, why are we teaching about goal setting? You know? Mm. And so that's kind of where it goes from. But the people that have been with the journal and the planner and like know about that self, we've sort of been teaching them. Oh, okay. Like we started that self as like a type a hit your goals, achieve, achieve, work, work, work. And then personally, I realized, wait a minute, there's more to less than that turns out. Mm. And we, we created another range of products to actually serve other parts of your life. That wasn't just the goal setting. And so they've kind of been along for that journey, but yeah, the people that came in for one type of product, they're like, so so now we have an, another like nurturing sequence that's just for for those you know newer people.
0: I see. That makes sense. And so it seems like as you roll out these card decks that's a kind of a, a that's growing the lifetime value on the journal side of the business which is super smart. And then on the flip side it's it, it's bringing in new customers, but those new customers aren't as often going back and buying the journals or the other products, so probably the lifetime value on that customer segment is lower. Which I would imagine means that it's tougher to um, spend money to acquire those customers because the average order value and lifetime value. So it's I guess, I'm guessing it's either we've got to figure out how to solve the, kind of the LTV piece over here, or this product is you know purely a lifetime value builder for the customers that we're already focused on and acquiring. Is that kind of how you're thinking of it, or differently?
1: Yeah, so I think what we've realized is we need more products in in categories that are selling really well. Because if we only have one relationship product, which we did for a while, we have a couple more, then if you only come in for one thing, Uh, then you only have one thing to buy. And so now we've realized there's actually a huge opportunity for building out this product line over here so that people come in and they can get a bundle of things in the area they want to focus on.
0: Yeah which is very smart and makes a lot of sense because the category specific things, it's kind of similar to um, a buddy of mine uh, who used to live together. Um, he runs a company called Dr. Squatch. So high quality I'm men's mean. soap. And so as yeah. they have built out kind of the categories, it's like, okay, we just have soap, but now we got, now it's like, okay, we also need you know, shampoo and conditioner. And then like, how do we build together kind of more of a product suite in the category and then jumping to the other side of the bathroom, we've got toothpaste. And so it's yeah. like, all right, the toothpaste here, not related to this, you know, uh, bundle over here, I guess, somewhat in the sense that it's cleaning, but a category yeah. based approach to that. I'm curious because this actually kind of feeds into one of the things I wanted to ask as well Yeah. I noticed you guys, I would imagine this is why, but I I noticed you guys have taken a very kind of benefit focused approach to the product. And, and, and so it's like the end result, uh, is, is what you market to. So whether Mm -hmm. it's an intimacy product, whether it's a goal setting product, whether it's i I'm forgetting the other categories that you have And how did you land on that? And and what's the why behind that? Because I think it's just so smart. It's It would be so easy in, in your cases, talk about the card deck or talk about the journal, but it, yeah. it's like, that's in the backdrop of what you're focusing on, which is the benefit focus kind of product.
1: Well, I think it's because people don't care about our product is really it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, and I, I know at some point, you know, people are going to want a journal at some point because like what's the people are want to hit their goals. Right. And right now, or they want to build a better relationship or they, you know, and, and right now whatever product we have is the vehicle for them to get there. And so you want to sell them on what's this thing that I'm going to get at the end of it. And in some cases, like the product should be evolving over time as you know, life evolves. And so at some point who knows what's going to happen with the journal, but I'm not, you know, it's, it's not, an, it, you have to remove your ego from your product being so amazing. It's like, you have to know, okay, what's the problem I'm solving for the person and sell them on that and make sure that the product actually solves that problem or um, they're going to be mad. And actually uh, speaking of like pub, you know, the idea of you can take a book. So I know you have a ton of authors in your audience of like, okay, what could be a book or what could be another product that goes along with the book. So we just worked with Jay Papazan and the one thing to come out with a deck for them around this concept within the book that actually it's like a, uh, coming up with your core values but in the book it's actually very difficult to do that in a way that's um, dynamic when you're looking at words like if you're seeing all the words on the page it's really difficult and so we worked with them to create a card deck for them and so you know you might start with a book and be like actually this part of the book or this methodology I'm teaching could fit into a whole other product and
0: it's very that's smart
1: totally something that you should like understand that you can have a book and you cannot have other tools that come from the book.
0: Yeah. That's super, super smart. And I would imagine that's some sort of licensing deal where it, it, or is that your guys's product? Is that their product? How does that work?
1: So we basically developed it for them and we sell it on our side as like, a, and we give them a licensing thing and then they, uh, we just manufacture it for them.
0: That's cool. And could, do they also sell it on their side as well? Yeah. Got it. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. Well, Catherine, this has been uh, this has been great. couple of final questions for you. Uh, knowing what you know now, what would be your advice to the Catherine of how many ever years ago, pre-planner, journal, Kickstarter, uh, all those things, and all the other maybe Catherines out there that are thinking about creating some sort of planner or journal or kind of an e-commerce play um, with books? What, what would your advice be?
1: <laughs> I think just start so if i didn't know half the stuff i knew now when i started i think um a great place to start is creating something that you want in the world um because then you know like what you're looking for like what problem you're trying to solve what you like to do like what literally journals and planners that you like uh, and start there because if you can make yourself happy there's a chance you're going to make a lot of other people like you happy so i would start there and don't feel like oh i have to know everything to get started i basically knew how to make a in-design pdf when we started and then i've like learned things along the way but um you'd be surprised how much you can learn on the internet and with books
0: <laughs> or from this interview uh, this yeah. is i'm sure people are learning a lot from this Catherine. this is amazing where can people go to find out uh more about you uh where can they go to obviously you know find best self products purchase the journal the planner and your other products
1: Yeah, you can go to bestself.co. All of the products I mentioned there in this interview are there. And then you can find me at littlemike.com. That's just my personal blog where I talk about more of the like behind the scenes type things of why I think the way I do.
0: Awesome. Catherine, this is amazing. Guys, check out the Best Self products. They are awesome. Uh, And just, I I love what you guys are building. Uh, I love what you're doing. So thank you for coming on.
1: Awesome. Thank you.